Welcome to the Creative Plan Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. This is the first time we're doing this panel, so let's see how it goes. So my name is Jessica. I'm Jake's cosplay. I've been cosplay since 2001. Um, today I'm dressed as Academy Diva from Overwatch. So welcome. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Lena. I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to start using this. I'm Thermo Sidekick. That's my new name. That's a good one. Thermal support. Thermal support. Thermal support. So uh, we do thermal cosplay. Sam's the badass, and I'm her sidekick. I'm the she's a badass Robin too. to her Batman, which is awesome because she does all the hard work, she's and I just like, sit here and like. She's more like the like the red hood rather than just Robin. Yeah, uh, I try. I try. Um, but yeah, we've been cosplaying since 2014, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm Sam. I'm thermal cosplay. Um, and yeah, we've been cosplaying since 2014, and I'm I, I uh, I'm more of like an Instructables tutorial person. So if there's something like how many um, followers do you have on Instructables? Uh, 110,000 now. <laughs> so if you need help, yeah, go to Instructables. I was trying to figure out why Autodesk kept giving me free memberships, and then I looked at my following count and my my visits. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so not really going into any kind of like fandoms or 
you know, literature. No, that wasn't, that wasn't very popular. I mean, they, sometimes you see science, science fiction, but it was more like the take on. And they also, these two actually moved in their other two journalist friends. So then they're like, next year you're gonna do it too. And they actually made costumes and then they, the next Worldcon, they all dressed up together as like a little group. That's how it happens, isn't it? Yeah, you, 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 just, you just start having <laughs> more people. Yeah, it, who here start, it does cosplay? Okay. Now, did you start cosplaying just because you saw somebody do so it, or did you have a friend that kind of roped you into it or helped you get into it? Or I knew the friend that roped you into it. Had a wife. There you go. <laughs> I know your wife. <laughs> That's usually how it starts. It's like somebody ropes you into it or you see somebody else doing it. You're like, I want to do that. So yeah. it's, it's like a virus. Yeah, it is. It's the best virus. <laughs> it's the virus that kills all the bad things in your life. <laughs> so we're going to kind of... Um, of go over these quickly the different generation different um decades of cosplay so the first half of the 20th century um i'm surprised there's pictures actually because there weren't there, a lot there are a few yeah but there are like barely pictures of anything in general and now they've got pictures of costumes so you can see in there there's not really anything specific we've got you know spooky witch looking thing a cowboy um but it still had the same kind of atmosphere so obviously following Forrest and Myrtle, you know, everyone started getting inspired, which as you do, started dressing up as their, as their favorite characters at, all at the future um, world cons. And they started making masquerades and contests, um, and then it eventually became part of the regular programming. Um, even the invest, uh, the guy, uh, I cannot talk, even the guests that they would invite, invite would come in cosplay. So Forrest J. Ackerman was invited to several of them. He always came in costume. Um, early World Con Masquerade Balls featured actually a band and dancing and food as they do, you know, in the in the 20s, uh, sorry, 30s and 40s. Which, I mean, that needs to come back to me. Yes. Food and dancing yeah. and fun, like, like one. You compete and then we all party. Yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so we need to bring back the Masquerade Ball. Yeah. Yes. So, but back then, uh, contestants would just walk across the stage or they would just clear an area of the dance floor. So it wasn't a huge, huge production. No, it's more than just showing off their work, um, and then they would move across. Yeah, no, it was like a, it was like a walk on. That yeah, was it. like a yeah. fashion show. Mm -hmm. Moving into the 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, they did start to make rules. Um, I mean, obviously with masquerades, it wasn't you know the overall rules, um, because the first new contestant at WorldCon masquerade was in 1952. Um, but yeah, they went away with that. They were like, no costume is no costume. <laughs> so that was yeah. yeah yeah that was that was the no costume no costume and it banned full nudity although partial nudity was still allowed as long as it was a legitimate representation of your character like red sonia became really popular mm -hmm. and i mean it, it just took over a lot of like the science fiction conventions and yeah. world con and you see a lot of women do red sonia because it was you know it was exciting yeah so it's allowed <laughs> i don't want to see this um is this colossal Oh yeah, it was it the thing? It looks like a It looks like thing. It looks like thing. Okay. The early two like no, like, the, the early thing kind of looks like that. He looks a little uh, like yeah. blobish. I was like, that looks like a very, very, very. Plus, that's like, like pretty impressive for how old that yeah. costume is. <laughs> yeah. That like a very like watered down colossal. So okay, all right. So as you can see here, you know, sexy cosplays always existed. Um, Star Wars always, always a huge subject yeah. for cosplay. I mean, mm -hmm. and I don't know this thing that green thing is that looks amazing. You can see that that like torso is on his shoulders, so that was really. That looks like a lizard person. It looks like maybe it's from a. Oh gosh, is it? Not from the scenario, is it? Wait, which one of the lizard people? I don't know. Which one? I don't know. Ah. Anyways, no, but there there a lot of them too were based off of like science fiction movies too, yeah. and they, those were really popular in like the sixties and seventies. And they did a lot so, of their own designs yeah, too. Yeah, like, yeah. This would fit into the science fiction. I mean, world. think about the materials they were working. It actually looks like tile shards. Yeah, I yeah. hope that's not. <laughs> it might be. So, you make your own text though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So obviously, uh, some other some other rules that were um, instilled at the 20th World Con. Um, there was a blaster uh, that fired real flames. So that obviously was banned, and that's kind of now a normal thing. You know, we don't want to burn things down. Um, somebody was made of uh, had a costume completely made out of peanut butter. Um, so those were kind of things. Like, yeah, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually an underground comic character called the Turd. So actually existed. So there were things where they kind of had to like make some guidelines, like don't wear food, you know. Although Lady Gaga was like, I don't care what you say. So food, you know, odors, messy stuff were banned, which I think we can all agree is yeah. Um, and yeah, the best. Like the next slide. 
this is where comic books became like right there. Yeah. When Superman started getting really popular, that's when costumes began to start like exploding in the science fiction area. I know, and people get yeah. so mad over sexy cosplay. I'm like, look, it's been around. It's for yeah. longer than you've been alive. Like, Supergirls <laughs> legit looked like that at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and there were so many different versions of Wonder Woman, well, and, and like so many of the old sci-fi's and and just like you know, like the the old paperback novels that had like you know, like the the woman in the jungle kind of a thing, oh, and, like the real sexy and yeah. all that kind of stuff from like the 60s and stuff like that. Women used to go nuts with that sort of thing, which Yeah, they thought they were awesome. doing it for men, and not actually they were doing it for women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the earliest known instance of cosmetic convention in the United Kingdom, so now we're kind of branching out, was at the London Science Fiction Convention in 1953, but it was only part of a play, so it wasn't, you know, inviting people to dress up or anything like that. Um, so the 15th World Con um, brought its first official convention masquerade to the UK, and in 1960, Easter Con in London um, is probably the first British-based convention to hold official, like, and they call it fancy dress in England. Um, we call it, you know, costuming. Uh, so they called it fancy dress par- party, uh, where they actually scheduled it. And you can see here in the top right is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Is anyone familiar with Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. So they actually encourage audiences to come dress and interact for free admission. So of course, when you're offering something for someone to dress up, it becomes huge. Now, obviously, if you've ever been to a show, um, and if you haven't, just be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like an experience. That's, that's the reason to go see it. Like, you don't go see it to see the movie. I mean, you do. You can but, watch like, the movie at home. You're a virtual senior show. Yeah. If you ever tried to watch the movie, you're like, why does everybody like this? Go see the live yeah. show. People go nuts, and it's, it's all about the live show. So now we're, now we're getting to 1970, San Diego Comic-Con. Um, as we know it now, is probably, I believe, the biggest um, fan convention in the world. Except for Japan. Japan, Japan has one that's pretty yeah. big. Okay. Um, but obviously, we, you know, if you say San Diego Comic Con to you know, anyone at the convention, they pretty much have heard of it. When it started, it was called Golden State Comic Con. Um, it was a three-day event hold, uh, held at a hotel in 1970. And they actually had held a smaller event a few months prior to kind of get a feel. So it was a one-day fundraising event, and then it went successful, and they went into their three-day event, which I think is amazing because yeah. they're like, here's our first con for three days, you know, so that's pretty, um, like, yeah, yeah it's awesome, let's go. Pretty ambitious, but yeah. obviously it worked. So their first con had 145 attendees, Forrest J. Ackerman was a guest, of course, because um, he's huge still, um, and after one more name change, they did San Diego West Comic Con, um, they stayed with the San Diego Comic Con name. Um, by the late 70s, attendance was already topping out at 6,000 people. So that is quick growth. That's yeah, super, super and now San Diego Comic-Con sees anywhere from 170,000 to 200,000. It always yeah. is going to fluctuate because you have on years and off years, but like 200,000, I think their max is 250, wasn't it? Yeah, because they've been talking about moving it because well, they could sell out, but so they like cap it. There would well, be more people. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is they, they have, they've had to start like, Reducing how many yes. people they can allow in due to city restrictions and the problems that uh, San Diego's been having and putting more and pressure the on them. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like fire code, you know, a little sure. thing. Little, little things thing. like people maybe not dying. You're going to see an awesome <laughs> picture here later that will blow your mind. Um, so, SECC's first masquerade ball is in 1974. Yep, and that and the winner was actress Ricky Stevens, um, dressed as Vampirella, and Forrest Ackerman, of course, is the creator of um, Vampirella. Now, a photographer saw Stevens in her Vampirella costume, um, and that kind of led her into becoming an actress. It led her to for you know a non-speaking role, and then she went on and on from there. Um, and she actually attributes winning this contest to her acting career. So you know, again, people are always like critical of cosplay celebrities, but hey, she might be the first one. So yeah. And I mean, it gets you a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, like you know, and yeah. this, this costume is still worn today. There are people. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is probably one of the most popular ones. And I'm every time I see someone doing it, like you are brave. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. And, and you I are really hope you know what fashion tape is. It's just yeah. like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that was incredible. I mean, she became. She wasn't an actress at the time, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, how, there are people now that can actually cosplay. Um, you know, that started their career, yeah. and they were doing it in the 70s. So here we go. So we're going to move on to Japan in the 80s. Um, as you know, Japan um, popularized cosplay. So college students have been dressing up as their favorite character since the 70s, so they've been doing it for a long time. Um, of course, when uh, Takahashi came uh, back from
from Worldcon. He wrote an article about it, um, and he has these pictures. This isn't his article, but this is a clearer picture of another article in the center you can see. Um, was astounded by how many people were in costume. Um, and he encouraged people in Japan to do this. So he wrote a call to action. You must now cosplay. You look at these Americans. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, being you know head of a, an anime studio, he's like, ah, good marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey guys, dress up as the characters. Yeah. Buy more comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free advertising. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took a couple years for it to like actually, you know, catch on, but it, he started it there to make it popular. Of course, like I said, they've been doing it for a long time. There was no name attached to it. Um, so when he coined the cosplay name, there it was. It was born. So, um, let's see here. Oh, and then um, at this time, um, Gundam was released and Urusei at Zero was released. Um, if you guys know Inuyasha, um, Ramon Half, it's the same creator of Urusei at Zero. That's actually neat because um, you can see that this cop character is still like popular with a lot of and people. And it's better at like eighty yeah. one. Was that? Really there was somebody dressed here as yeah, well. Yeah, I was like, "Guru say Yatsura." There was like like eighty one or eighty two. It was like early eighties. Yes. Like, really early. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that actually helped move the cosplay movement. Um, I'm not sure why. I couldn't find out why, but I mean they. Yeah. So um, a lot of anime wasn't translated. 
um, for they wanted to make it easier for fans to obtain. So people would do fan subs. So basically, oh yeah. yeah. So fan <laughs> subs basically, you know, they would do the voiceover, the voice act, be the voice actor of um, the um, the anime, and then they would distribute that. A lot of times they were free too. Mm -hmm. I yeah. came across a lot of fan subs that were free, and I was floored. Like I couldn't believe that people they just loved it so much that they wanted to spread it. Um, so yeah, a lot of fan subs were free. They would just get in groups and then send them all out at once. But the English wasn't always the best, so well, you had to like get kind of interpretive, like, you probably mean this. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, and obviously they're all pros too, so yeah. there's that. But hey, we appreciated you, know, it. You, you, you take what you can get. But these these, yeah. these costumes were like, I mean, they were really popular in the 90s, and then they had like a quiet period, and now I feel like retro anime and cosplay is exploding again. But that's, yeah. It's like fashion in general, yeah. isn't it? It's always coming back. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. Because I've seen more and more manga, I've seen a lot of like, Gundam. I've seen, I've seen a couple of Dirty Gundam. Gundam has never stopped. And I've seen like Akira's recently. Yes. And it's just yeah. like, this is pretty cool because these were things that like, and I think it's easier now too because some of these more complicated, like the 90s had really complicated characters and now there's more like access to materials so you can actually build these things out. Yeah, because it was animation. With animation you can do anything. They're like, yeah, let's give this guy four arms and then the cosplayer's like, what? <laughs> like, I got cardboard to suffer. <laughs> hey, they mean too. Has anybody ever done the gravity does not work that way costume when you're trying to rebuild something from yeah, a. This is why someone was actually like, going to drag things and say, how do you make that work? Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the um, internet started to become public. Yeah. Yes. And it was making all of the stuff easier to obtain. News groups like Rec Arts, Anime, and Mist, and I'm. This is my personal experience. That's where I hung out. You know, IRS, um, IIRC helped spread all of these uh, anime, um, all these uh, threads, reviews. People were just posting so people much. People were snapping it. images and just sharing them on every yes. forum that they could. Yeah. And like, that, here's the turnaround. And that was another thing with like the pictures, because I would keep folders. I would download as many pictures as I could find of my favorite character, and I would have one whole folder of like ah. And it was just that was what you found, and it took so long to download one picture. Gosh, it took like oh, like dialogue. five hours to download one picture. <laughs> I forgot about dialogue, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then you couldn't even multitask on your computer either because it would just kill everything. So, but it was growing. So, um, my two brothers, personally, my two brothers were much older than I was. Um, so they had jobs before I did. They were also, you know, geeks like I was, and they actually brought me a lot of my anime and video game experience. So I was pretty lucky in that aspect. Um, they've been fans since the 70s, so I usually source it off of them. Um, as far as cosplay, the 90s was a really weird time. Um, uh, I'm not sure where it was like in the other, in other parts of the world, but in the US, it was a transition. Um, people were kind of like adapting to all of this new information and everything they could find, and it was a little bit elitist, I do have to say. So um, not a fancy time. I really couldn't find anything on the 90s. I even found threads that are like, what happened in the 90s? And you know, people just gave their personal experience because there really wasn't much going on. Yeah, and a lot of the, 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 a lot of the cosplay that was going on in the 90s too, people kept it to themselves and now they market it because some of them have become so big that it's their business mm -hmm. and they come back and they take those images from the 90s and they're like, oh, this retro stuff that I had and then they reintroduce it and fans really like that. It's like, oh my gosh, wait, you've been doing it this long? That's really cool. But it's, you're right, it's so hard to find cosplay images from the 90s. It's really bizarre until you get to the late 90s, like closer to, like, I'd say like 97, 98, 99, closer to the 2000 mark, then you find more. But between like 90, like between 89 and like 95, 96, there's just like this blank space. Yeah. But the nice. 90s was a lot of gatekeeping in general, too. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I feel like this is about the time that booth babes started becoming a thing, yes, which yeah. actually is funny because like, I feel like now that's really petered off. Like yes. it's not nearly as much of a thing, but I, like conventions were starting to become more popular, but they were, you know, like a little bit pigeonholed for like only a certain group. Not super, but I think that, that falls into that elitist yes. thing, you know, it's like, you know, so like they were trying to market to certain people and you know, it's kind like, of drawing more crowds off. Just like social media, you know, you end up with like in an echo chamber. So like the more of these kind of people that are showing up conventions, the less other people are wanting to show up. And I'm, I'm glad we fixed that now all the people are at cons again. And um, as she mentioned, booth babes, I mean, they're actually quite controversial because at first they were models. Models knew nothing about, you know, the material, um, but we'll get to that a little bit later. 
Um, so that's what they started with that. So transition phase in the 90s. So now we're going into the, the zero zeros. <laughs> I wanted to keep the same like pattern as like, well, actually I said 1999. Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so the 2000s. I actually started in 2001, like I said. Um, and as Sam mentioned, this is kind of when the late 90s, early 2000s, where it started really gaining a lot of momentum. Um, more people companies was profit off of it. Yes. Yeah. So more people were getting online. Um, they were still using fake games though. Like, yeah. I don't know if anyone was online that long ago where you didn't tell anyone your real name. Oh well, yeah. That's yeah. weird. They still had handles. Yes. And yeah. It wasn't even like a like a like a like very well cosplay games company. It wasn't like that. It was like Joe of the Sarah Sahara. Yeah. What? <laughs> it was like it was something really weird, so you just didn't know who they were. Like I actually went up so when I was on the internet at thirteen, I had to use my brother's handle and his was Brokeford Cheese. <laughs> so people would call me Brokeford, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so I would make my own like signature, like Jinx. This is Jinx. I've been using Jinx for so long. Um, so, but yeah, the internet was a really fun and interesting place back then. I still have fond memories of yeah, you know, early early internet. Um, so cosplay.com actually started in 2002. Has anyone been to cosplay.com? Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Really? If you go, to, it's interesting to go there because you can like watch. How it's grown and changed. Like you yeah. go all the way back into its archives. You can find it. There's so many. Oh, you, you yeah. Go to cosplay.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. Look at their site map and find their archives. It's really cool. Yes. And it's basically like it's a message board because it's been around since yeah. that was really a lot of things. So it's a good place to like get people's take on like, hey, how did you figure out how to do this? And how did you figure out how to do that? And I think now a lot of us end up using like the RPF, the Rockland Prop Forum, and you know some other. And there's so many resources out there. But it's still a pretty good resource, especially for animating type stuff. Yeah. So I mean, message boards were huge back then. Um, that was basically the only place. Well, and like IRC was still around. Mm -hmm. um, but that was like the most popular place to converse with other people. Um, I remember being on those forums, learning so much. Um, you know, making friends. Um, there was a lot going on at cos on cosplay.com. I think now it's kind of just become like a museum of cosplay because there's not that much going on there, like she said. But um, when I saw it grow, they started having shops pop up, and then people could start selling their own stuff on there. And it was it was really a pioneer in cosplay websites. Um, and it was kind of really like Sam said, the only source for cosplay. Yeah, and it was it was also international, so it was like global. Yes. Yeah. So you could communicate with people all across the world, which was really helpful because some people had more access to things that you didn't. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah. I mean, it was really cool. All of a sudden, you're like, ooh, I have a friend in you know Europe or whatever, and you need cosplay tips. I would like to just like I realized that I skipped over this because I wasn't sure quite where to throw it. But can we all like give a shout out to all the Trekkies out there who have been doing this yes. forever <laughs> and never get any love, and like they were doing it when it was totally not cool, and they're like, screw you, I'm still gonna do this. Yes. Oh my God. I, I I love them so much for keeping that alive. But then I feel like they were also a really good mecca of because I feel like we were seeing a lot of cons become like a guy space. Mm -hmm. Not completely, but you know they were kind of doing that, and and the Star Trek forums and the sci-fi forums really seem to maintain like you know a co-ed like and even kids and stuff like that. Like I feel like they maintained that even when the the regular Comic Con started to get a little bit pigeonholey. So love my Trekkies. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 because obviously, like um you know fandoms, comic books, video games were always marketed to, to men. You know, back then, they never expected women to be interested in it. Um, so, and obviously, we see this trend kind of go away. So, as you can see here, pictures up here. Um, when you cosplayed back in the early 2000s, um, there were probably like five different styles of wigs. Those are two of them. This is the most popular, the middle of the Godiva, because obviously it was so long, so we cut it to the length that you needed. Um, the qualities were pretty low. Um, you could you could paint them and dye them and spray them. Yes. Yeah. So, and I'll get to that one next. And then um, the boots, those are my boots. Um, a lot of times if you needed, those crazy looking shoes that are in, in the uh, anime and manga were usually like dancer and stripper shoes. Um, so it was a little bit weird when you went into like the dance store or well, you know, the lingerie store looking for shoes. I'm like, I just need shoes. <laughs> so they were very, very limited resources. There was actually an anime called Cosplay Complex that was released as an OEV series. I think there were like four or five episodes in 2002. Um, so even then, you know, I mean, Japan was 
ahead of us, even though we had started it. But Japan was way ahead of us in terms of cosplay. Um, so it follows this girl doing cosplay competitions. Um, I've actually never seen it, now I need to. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of incredible that um, anime kind of took a full circle back. So yeah. So back onto limited resources. Ah, the all magical Sharpie! <laughs> Sharpie! Yes, so obviously limited resources and limited varieties. I can't even remember where I got this wig. I can't remember at all if I ordered it or bought it. But yeah, so um, the wigs only came in like like seven different colors. So if you wanted a certain color, you colored it yourself with Sharpies. We didn't seem to think of anything else better. <laughs> so, um, for example, um, the long curly wig in the center is my sister. She would kill me if she knew that I put her in this panel. I'm <laughs> on my wig that I had just purchased. And on the right is you can see what I turned it into. And that's basically what cosplayers had to do. We had to take whatever it was and make it into whatever we needed it to. It's not like today where you can just go and click buy. Everything's already styled. Um, and that was more trial and error. Um, there wasn't a lot, again, not a lot of experience in styling wigs at the time, so I just kind of took a flat iron and I was like, let's see what happens. <laughs> so luckily it did not go up in flames and um, it worked out. <laughs> my sister on the, on the other side, um, this is Kane Yuri from Dirty Hair Flash. So my sister on the other side, we actually had bought a blonde wig. It was probably um, length past shoulders. Um, so we trimmed it to be the right length and then we had to sharpie the bottom half. Um, and that was it took a lot of time, hours and hours and hours. Um, so people are so lucky these days. <laughs> yeah, I did this cosplay later, and I just was able to find two wigs of the from the same manufacturer in the two colors I needed, and just like cut them apart and stitch them back yes. together. So much faster. Yeah. And actually, this is a picture at San Diego Comic Con. I think this is 2003. So you can see the lobby. It's, it's crowded, but it's not like shoulder to shoulder like it is now. So yeah, that is the lobby of San Diego. So before social media, you know, nowadays you can click, upload, you know, tag, share. We would go on cosplay.com um, or maybe another message board that other people knew about that I didn't, and there would be a, a did you take my picture thread. So basically, if you if you had a digital camera, I did. So you could upload a picture of yourself. This is me. You know, if you did uh, take pictures, please send it to me. And that's basically how you got more photos of yourself. Very limited. Or you would have to describe yourself because not everybody had access to a digital camera. So I was always like going through all the threads, like, am I there? And then some people would be so gracious just post all their pictures there. Um, and there weren't that many people taking pictures as well. The people that were taking pictures were mostly just fans of that character. Um, or not even realizing what's going on. They're just like, hey, that looks cool. So this is the top right. The top left is a masquerade um, group. So you can see that the quality started improving massively. Um, as you know, uh, the masquerade at San Diego Comic Con is one of the biggest and most competitive costume contests in the world. So that even became a huge thing. We were still lining up to get into the masquerade back in the early 2000s. Um, so it was always the thing that you did when you went to San Diego Comic Con. Um, Obviously, you know, you can't take pictures of that and share it. You would always have to wait for all of those to be uploaded. Um, this was also when uh, you would meet, like, friends that you met online, which is always, like, a weird thing. Um, so that was starting to become a little bit more popular in the early 2000s. Um, let's see, the bottom, what is it? bottom right uh, corner is from Anime Expo 2002. So it looks very, very bare there. Um, the middle one is me and this really cool demon girl. I was like, whoa, she's way ahead of her time. That is Phoenix, what do they call it? Phoenix Cactus Comic Con 2004, when they used to hold it in the Mesa Hotel. Um, yes, as you know, it is now Phoenix Fan Fusion. Um, so that was pretty tiny too. I was like one of like four people dressed up there um, in my battle love outfit. And uh, yeah, but it was a great experience. And on the far right is um, another anime expo costume fashion show. Um, so that was just a walk-on. Um, again, not many cosplayers on stage, so, but it's growing. It's growing really fast. And this was still kind of a time where you didn't tell people you cosplayed. Like, hey, what do you do in your free time? Yeah, uh, I, I uh, walk my dog, you know? <laughs> and if someone ever saw a picture of you at work, oh my god, like at work or school, you're just like, oh no, my life is over. 
Um, so it was a very underground thing still, um, and people did give you weird looks. I did get some weird looks, you know, like, what? You do what? That's weird. Um, so we were, we were chugging along. I think it's really cool that these days you can walk into like a Walmart or something by yourself in costume and someone's like, oh, is there a Comic-Con in town? Like it's part of like the actual ethos now, like people know, even if they have no idea who that character is, they just know now. And before it was like, like is that crazy person got security? Okay, let him out of the basement! So yeah, it, this is why it's changed so much. So World Cosplay Summit, has anyone heard of World Cosplay Summit? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the biggest costume contest in the world, obviously, it's, it's called. Um, so it started in 2003 and only had four participating countries. Japan hosted it, of course. Um, <laughs> France, Germany, and Italy. So as you can see, um, Europe was kind of growing in the cosplay scene quickly as well. Um, you know, at this point, Japan has, like, already got cosplay pros. Um, they're just like, the rest of the world doesn't have any idea what's going on. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I couldn't find any pictures from 2003, but with just four countries, um, you know, it, I don't. I really want to see actually what it looked like. I bet you can contact them because yeah. World Cosplay Summit has they keep archives and stuff, and you can ask them. And that would be awesome, yeah. actually, because I've never been to a World Cosplay Summit. I mean, that's just a dream to just attend. Like, I I don't know about anyone. That's like some hardcore stuff. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, these people spend a year planning. And then they yeah. they have to compete at a local a local competition where they have to travel somewhere in the U.S. that has a whole cosplay so a preliminary, and they get their preliminary standing. They do additional work to their 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 uh, project, and then they travel to Japan, and then they're basically put on tour for an entire week, and then they compete. There's there's three rounds, so it's it's insane. Uh, but if you win, holy crap, the prizes and the money, it's like, it's a, it's a lot of the times it's equivalent to someone's salary. Yes. And by this time in Japan, they already had cosplay idols. Mm -hmm. So there were already people, you know, that were um, like big cosplayers that they were already inviting to their, you know, events and stuff. So they were definitely, definitely ahead of the U.S. Yep. So as we go into the late 2000s, there was a huge, huge change. Companies started realizing, wow. Cosplay is really popular and started developing products specifically for cosplay. And this blew my mind. I was like, whoa, so I don't have to make everything from, you know, block of foam. Um, so, yeah, it was incredible. Um, CosplaySupplies.com. I couldn't find when they, do you know when they started CosplaySupplies.com? CosplaySupplies.com has been around, I think, a little over 10 years. Yeah. I think it's 10 years now. I want to say it's 2008 or 2009. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. Um, so, I mean, you could go here and buy stuff again. It, it would take, take a while to ship. Um, it, there was no prime one day. Like there's actually cosplay pros in Arizona that started about uh, two years ago now, two or three, and they are local to Arizona and they provide all the materials, like, like almost all the materials that cosplay supplies and more do. And they have their own version of like thermal plastic and stuff, so even some states have their own like local cosplay shops and material shops and it makes it easier to acquire what you need. Yeah, that's, that was pretty awesome. And Arda, Arda Wakes. Um, if you are a cosplayer, you know Arda's kind of like the Mercedes-Benz of co uh, cosplay wigs. Um, they started, you know, um, doing pre-styled wigs that you could order. Obviously, they upped the game, um, had better quality, had higher wigs that you can park them in any direction. Yes, higher quality wigs in, in the crazy colors, because you can yes. really only find those in, you know, the, the natural colors for, yep. like, the women that would wear or whatever. Um, so they really changed the game in um, wigs, and um, they even started making fully manufactured costumes. As you can see, Easy Cosplay, their logo is Everyone Can Cosplay, which is beautiful. Um, you could buy your full costume there. Um, more people were you know, eager to start because if you can't sew or you can't, I know a lot of people get discouraged because I can't do anything. Like, well, guess what? Now you can buy it. Yeah. Yep. Although it was still kind of taboo to wear a bot costume. Um, like I said, the elitism is going away, but it still kind of was there. Yeah, and I think it's just because some people were like, well, I started back then. I'm like, that's okay. That's your own personal preference. As this becomes more popular, black people enjoy it too. Yeah, so there was still, there was also cosplay. Plus, I gotta be honest, guys, yeah. no bot costume's perfect. You're going to have to make repairs. Uh, you're gonna have to tailor it. If you're tall, good luck finding something that doesn't show off your bottom half. If you're short, good luck trying to get it to fit your torso. Um, Sam always has that problem. I have, I'm pretty much not busty, but I have really like, 
for me hips. So I put it on and I know I'm always going to have to add two to three inches to the hips and I'm going to have to take two to three inches out of the top. So I just take one and took it out of the top and put it at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> She's so amazing at that. She, you just look at it and you're like, I know what I need to do. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, you can buy it online and um, Warbla. So Warbla's been around a very long time. It actually started as a material in um, steel-toed boots. And it's non-toxic. Um, it self-adheres. It has a low heat activation rate, which is great so that people can work with it a little bit faster. Yes, so yeah. advanced materials were becoming more accessible. Yeah. Um, so it, it just changed the face And there's the so many different kinds of, like, like after Warbler came out, other people realized, hey, this Warbler uses wood pulp. Well, now, like, Tandy Leather uses leather pulp. And, like, these different products that are thermoplastics now, they realized they can take these scraps and materials that they have left over, they can recycle them, mix them with some adhesives, and turn them into thermoplastics. So now we move on to Yaya Han. Has anyone heard of Yaya Han? Yes. Some people call her the queen of cosplay. She never coined that term herself. She is tiny and the sweetest person in the world. She is. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, so she started cosplaying pretty early as well. I even remember asking her about her long wig. Um, and I, she's like, I can't even remember where I got it. Um, so you can see that's still a popular costume. That's why I chose it. Um, but she actually knew, kind of like, you know, took the initiative to market herself, um, improving her skills, she started commissioning costumes, she doesn't commission costumes anymore, um, using professional photography, um, so she really, really grew fast, and the fans did that, you know, she, she didn't do it, this is how it always happens, the fans did it, and she started, well, I first found her on cosplay.com, so whether you like it or not, she's a pioneer in cosplay, um, I know there's a lot of controversy about her, I just say that if you're jealous, it's just because you can't be as cool as she is. <laughs> so, I think it's amazing. Speaking of, we come to Jessica Negri, and she's obviously also very controversial, way more than Yaya Han was, because she shot up in popularity like overnight. Um, so as you can see, um, so Jessica's really smart. What she did is she actually targeted the military, and she started making calendars, and she made a bunch of money, and then she started branching out from that money and creating different, more complicated outfits and started competing. And then she got sponsored, so she she figured out who her best target audience would be, and then grew from there. Super Just smart. Super smart. If anybody has not or known or worked with military people, military is full of a bunch of nerds, and it's awesome. Yes. Like there, I feel yeah. like the military is disproportionately nerds, and it's so awesome. Yeah. So Jessica showed up at San Diego Comic Con 2009 um, in her sexy Pikachu outfit, um, and it's not like it hasn't been done before, but. You know, she was in the right place at the right time, and she just went viral. Um, from that point on, she uh, had grown a fan base. She was voted to be um, uh, chain Lollipop Chainsaw's official ma mascot uh, as Juliet Starling. And here's the thing: is that was at PAX. And when we talk about booth babes, again, I mentioned that they were usually models. Um, so obviously, when fans went up, like, oh my god, talking, talking about all this stuff, and they're like, eh. Jessica knows what this is because she yeah. plays that stuff. Yeah. 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 So they kind of started transitioning out models um, completely. So booth baits were kind of being transitioned out. At PAX, there was this, there was a very strict no booth baits booth baits uh, rule. So when they came with Jessica Negri, that was also very controversial. Um, even though she was, you know, a legit geek and was hired and is a cosplayer, very very um, skilled cosplayer. Um, they just people just hated it. And especially when she came out with the, I don't know if you're familiar with this game, but her second outfit is like a pink cat suit with a zipper all the way down. Um, so they actually asked her to go back and change. So I, I feel like though the, the booth babe thing did kind of, in some ways, cause some of the schism between like some of the cosplayers and some of the, the non-cosplay nerd community because they would go up to somebody that would be dressed as this character and that person knew nothing about it. Now I'm. I am the first person to say nerd checking is the worst. Like if you're like, if I can't pop quiz you about the most obscure thing, then you shouldn't be wearing that costume. I'm totally not into that. But knowing zero about that character is also tricky. So get a bunch of nerds going up to people and like being really excited and they knew nothing about it. So then they start making that association in their mind, like, oh, if somebody's wearing a costume, they're probably just here to wear the costume and they don't actually know anything about it. You know, like and it just it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think it's good that they turned away from it or at least made sure that those people started to know actually more about that character. Like, hey, you got to at least be able to answer some questions about this character if you're going to stand Yeah, they do hire now. They try and go for geeks to hire for booth babes. Um, so in the 10s, um, Patreon had been around, uh, popped up, and I think it was 2016, it popped up 2013. Um, so people started monetizing their cosplay. Um, more and more people were monetizing it, building their fan bases, um, getting invited as guests. You know, they were drawing crowds to these events. 
Um, media was covered cosplay. You can find them on BuzzFeed and whatever. Um, this is actually, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the cover of a magazine. I used to live in Dubai. So me and a, um, gosh, what's his name from uh, Devil May Cry? Oh, Dante. Dante, yes. Yeah. So Dante. Um, I was like, even like my best friend. Yeah. So we did a photo shoot. Um, I mean, they covered. They put us on the cover of a magazine. That was super, super awesome. Um, you know, it was being now spread out. Heroes of cosplay. Again, a lot of controversy. I don't know why. Um, I mean, as you know why. Uh, so it was on TV, and now everyone could watch cosplay. And they kind of tried to give another look at it. Like we're not just geeks that run around in costume. Like they're skilled artists. Um, they can compete and win prizes. So you know, we started getting a lot of that going on. Um, buy full costumes now on eBay and Amazon. So that was where you can get the next day. It just became so much easier. And then gatekeeping started was dropping. Inclusivity yeah. was rising. Because more people realized that they didn't have to make this a full time thing. They could do it as a hobby. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I feel like there's two schools of thought. Just like a general thing is you can either be like, okay, it was really difficult for me to do, so other people should have to suffer like I had to suffer to get where I'm at because it's no fair that I had to suffer and you didn't have to suffer to get there. Or you can be like, wow, I really had to suffer to do this. I really hope no one else has to suffer yeah. like I had to suffer to get there. And that's that's Most that. people are like that. Yeah. yeah. So Most people are like, I'm so glad it's easier. <laughs> yeah. It's also now easier for them too. So developers started taking notice of the rise in cosplay. So as you can see on the right side, um, in 2013, Hideo Kojima, the creator of Metal Gear Solid, he, he designed this character named Quiet, and he was like, this is impossible to cosplay. Which now we look at it, we're like, whatever. <laughs> so this, this cosplayer, I should have got her name, um, did it and tweeted him, and he tweeted back an acknowledgement. So now they're realizing, yeah, this can happen. Blizzard um, is it obviously, BlizzCon is happening this weekend, yep. releases Character reference guide, yeah. like so does so does Gear, Gear, so like so, uh, Gearboxin and like a whole bunch of like Borderlands literally before the games even released. They're like, hey guys, cosplayers here, promote us, please. Yeah. <laughs> characters having turnarounds that are publicly available on the internet. Because like, I have to say, like back in the day, Make like trying to figure out what the back of that character's content. Like you might not, you could literally watch the whole anime or the whole never series and never see the back of their outfit, or there's like two shots. You need to like pause it and be like, is that bad animation? Is that line part of their hair? Is that their arm? Is that the so this actually the um, Overwatch uh, reference kits are like four or five pages long for each character. Um, they put them in T position and put like uh, like all and they the have pictures of the accessories too. Accessories and as you can see, even color palettes. Yeah. Um. So these are just the default costumes, but I mean you can go in the game too and like you can see the characters' models uh, 360. Um, so they were inviting cosplayers in. Yeah, so now, um, it's, and now instead of having to be like, crap, is this cool? Now it's like, no, please, please. Because if you wear it, the people are like, what's that? Well, I should go check it out. And all of a sudden, more people are buying it. I feel like occasionally now, like video games and, and animes and everything are like, I want to make this as complicated as possible just to see if somebody can figure out how to cosplay this. And this could just be me being, like, you know. And so we've got just a few more minutes, guys, but we are very close to the end. So what is cosplay today? Obviously, you see it everywhere. Um, this is us, because we like to cosplay in a lot of groups. You cosplay from anything. I've got Bob's Burgers up there. And the Star Wars is still popular. Um, and the far left is her brother in the power armor. I mean, you do so much. My little brother, if you, if you go to the new uh, Fallout Mirrors of the Republic booth, and you see a big brown uh, character that's my brother. All right, guys, so let's take a look at this video. Oh, yeah, I have this one. How do I play it? Uh, I think you have to go to the other screen, so move your mouse way over to the right. Yeah.
just it's, it's amazing. It does everything. You can be anything. People even put their skills into it. So the guy that did um, uh, um, the, I can't remember his name, but he, he's an actual martial artist. Um, he actually goes to school. Um, so we love that you can always incorporate it into your normal life, and we hope that you guys do too. So thank you so much for coming to our panel. I do want to say that that video is by some really awesome friends, Rose and Cons. So please come get our stickers. They have a booth. They're like, if you go to like. 